0: This week on the NetApp Tech OnTap podcast, we see what life without Glenn is like, and we relive the magic of insight with some excellent interviews on cloud and the data fabric.
1: Welcome to
2: the Tech OnTap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster.
3: I love NetApp. Oh, 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 yeah.
0: Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi and sitting with me today is Mr.
4: Andrew Sullivan. Wait, wait, wait. What happened to Glenn? Um, I'm pretty sure he's a missing person at this point. Do we we need to put out an APB? uh, Or, you know, like... Put a picture on a milk carton or something. Yeah, um, or, no. a,
0: or a picture on a monster energy drink. Yeah.
4: <laughs> that, that'd be more likely where you'd find them. Yeah, that might be more appropriate. No, uh, uh, no in all reality, I think I've seen Glenn twice since Insight in November. Uh, he, he's been holed up somewhere working on some super secret top, top squirrel something or other project. Is and, it his
0: manifesto?
4: I, I, I hope not.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not either. Well... As you already know, Glenn Sizemore is not here today. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on today without him. Uh, what that means is we have nothing to talk about. Well, we we had something to talk
4: about, and it fell through at the last minute.
0: It did, and we're going to continue the fine tradition we've already established for the last two shows and recycle some interviews.
4: Yeah, uh, just to be clear, um, this is this is the last time we really want to do this for the listeners. Um, we want to get back to having you know more. Uh, uh, not that we dislike publishing all of these interviews that we did, uh, during the insights and, and everything else, but we want to get back to having uh guests on and being able to do that type of stuff. So next week, I know we'll be publishing an episode that we did record a little bit earlier, but it's, uh, it's been on hold because of, uh, release dates and things of that nature. So that one will be a very timely episode and then we'll uh, pick back up where we left off.
0: Can we tell them what that episode's about?
4: Yeah, we can tell them it's about Storage Grid.
0: Storage Grid. So if you want to know about Storage Grid, make sure you tune in next week.
4: Yeah, in particular, uh, you know the release that they had in December. And let's see, they're having a a release next week. So that's why we held off on this one a little bit. So that way, we could talk about the things that are being released. That's right. We want to give you the information that is relevant and pertinent to your day job. Yes, that we do. And at least one of us, well, sometimes we, we do that. Sometimes. Not always.
0: So um, today we're going to do some interviews we have from Insight. Uh, two of the interviews are from our very own NENAP A team guys. Um, Jesse Anderson will be one interview, and then we'll also do one with Glenn Deckheiser. We're also going to do an interview with Cynthia Stoddard, uh, our CIO. This was done at Insight, and it's also done with Val Bercovici, and they're going to be talking about the Denver Broncos. Uh, and the story behind that. And then we'll also throw in an interview that Dave Hitz did uh regarding Baylor. So those will be some pretty
4: interesting uh interviews that you'll want to listen to here
0: on this on the show.
4: Yeah, I I know uh all of these are gonna be they're all great interviews. Um I, I distinctly remember both of the the one with Val and the one with Dave when we recorded those at Insights. Uh the one with Dave in particular sticks out because we uh we told him you know hey you're the Tech on Tap live the part where you're on video is over with you know now it's just it's just the podcast right there's no no video just audio and so Dave kicks off his shoes and you know pulls his feet up underneath him and sitting on the couch on stage there and we had a really great conversation with him so yeah you could pretty
0: much talk to Dave Hitz about anything and I think it'd be interesting
4: yeah he he is a very charismatic guy yeah so, he's yeah. got
0: he's definitely got some energy going absolutely. Um, if you remember last week, uh, we actually talked about how you could submit your questions into the Tech On podcast. We have an email deal that goes directly to all three of us, and it's podcast at netup.com. And what we want you to do is send in any sort of questions about, uh, I don't know, features that you're interested in, products you're interested in, or any sort of technical problems you've been having, and we can answer them here on the podcast. If we do happen to answer your question on the podcast, we might even be able to throw you some swag. What sort of swag do we have, Andrew?
4: Well, I know for a fact that we have a whole stack, a large stack, of Tech on Tap podcast stickers. And I believe we've got some tote bags and some other things as well, pens.
0: Yeah, yeah. and we'll also try to get some T-shirts coming up as well. So be on the lookout for a, a blog post out there for you know promoting this. Um, We really want to start getting more interaction with our listeners and understand where they're experiencing problems or seeing successes with our products. In case you're wondering, um, we're going to have quite a bit more to talk about within the coming months. And we've got some releases coming out, some new products that are coming out as far as like, you know, feature sets and that sort of thing. So be on the lookout for for episodes where we talk about that. Um, We're going to make sure that we keep you up to date and abreast of all the newest things that are NetApp related.
4: And eventually we will have Glenn back live and in person sitting with us st- in the studio with us.
0: Yeah. He'll he'll be able to fill in all the air the uh, dead air time that we have.
4: Like I, that. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about, Justin. There is no there is no dead air time without Glenn. Yeah.
0: All right, so to kick us off, first we're gonna go with our NetApp A team guys. We're gonna start
4: off with Jesse Anderson and in his interview with Mansfield Oil. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Tech On Tap Podcast. Now, I just got finished sitting on stage with two pretty awesome guests here with Tech on Tap Live. I have Hercule Rabsat sitting on stage with me, Director of Infrastructure and Service Management with Mansfield Oil, and Jesse Anderson, Network Administrator with Accenture, and also one of our fantastic A-Team members. So gentlemen, welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast, and thank you very much for coming out today. Thank you for having me. Oh, Thanks for
5: having us. It's great to be here.
4: So Hercule, you have one of the most amazing hybrid cloud service provider mentality, right? Just adopting the data fabric success stories, I think I've heard from any of our customers. And I, I just want, I would love to get, hear your your summary of that. I would love to hear some of the more, some of the details about that because right, it, it's just, again, it's fantastic. I'm so excited absolutely, about it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think, um, you know, when I think back over the last two and a half years, and you know, the, the challenges that we face as an organization, you know if we're down uh, especially being where we are in the energy continuum we're more we're more downstream so we support you know the, the who's who are the fortune 500 ups fedex walmart sam's costco we support those guys but you know beyond that we support you know emergency relief so doctors hospitals fire departments police stations so it's key that we are on track when we have to deliver fuel that's that, that that's a that's huge for us when we're down um we're losing about $160,000 a day, so that's a that's a direct impact to the organization. That puts a lot of strain on the company. Um, you know, when I started about two and a half years ago, we had some major challenges. Uh, you know, in terms of our systems and core stability and things of that nature. And I think the way that we've gotten past those challenges, let me just first say that the, the, I think the one stable thing that we had in our environment wasn't that app. Thank God. So we were we were able to uh, build on top of that. And what we did was we built an ecosystem that's directly tied to NetApp as the core of everything that we do. So we looked at all the manufacturing partners that we could do business with, and we were like, who integrates the best with NetApp? Who talks to them? Who ties into them? And going through that process really helped us to build our core foundation and framework for how we were going to build the organization. And then we started to develop our our roadmap. What are we going to do? Stabilize, build, transform. We're coming up on year three, which is a transformation period, so we're starting to see a lot of ROI for the investments made up front over the last two years. But I think, you know, just some staggering numbers, we've grown the company by over 50% in two years, which is absolutely amazing. We're on track to do, from a revenue-based perspective, the highest revenue base we've ever had in the history of the organization, and we've been around for 60 years. I think the other thing that's extremely important to note is Now we're at a point where you have standardizations, and you have process, and you have procedures, but how do you really build on that? And I think the big thing is operational excellence. And I think to continue to move forward, we have to continue to evolve. And the next step in that evolution for us is the whole data fabric cloud story. How do you really get there? How do you take a company, consolidate it down, and then move your production to a cloud environment, and then use your own colo as the backup, and then the next step of that would be to bring up another geo-redundant cloud environment and shut your core data center down. So that way you can now focus on, you can get beyond hardware, you're not talking about you're not talking about, you know, plugging things in and yeah. finding space and finding cooling. You can really get to the things that are core for the business, and that strategy, so you can now focus on I got to focus on these projects. I got to focus on how do we move the organization further faster instead of focusing on break fix. Now I'm focused on actually solving in resolution as opposed to a band-aid.
4: Yeah, and what you mentioned to me earlier was, you know, you went from spending the majority of time doing break fix to now it's just 30% of the time which means that you know, your, your administrators, your team, is able to spend the vast majority of their time doing those higher level things, which, you know, it, yes, keeping the lights on, keeping things operational is of course critical, but moving IT forward, moving the business forward is really where that value comes in and where you can begin to really grow right, as an organization.
1: Absolutely, I think you know, getting to a point where you're transcending or you're going beyond technology the cloud really makes us, it puts us in the same level as everybody else. It helps us to become more ingrained with the business. Now it's not that we're a partner, we are the business. We have the same concerns. We care about the markets that we're going into. We want to understand the numbers from a sales perspective. We really want to be ingrained in what makes the business better and how the business continues to grow. And I think being able to enable, to enable the business leveraging technology, that's that's extremely exciting to me to see how far we've come in two years. Just taking the business from where it was to where it is today, to have a really really successful last couple of years, and to be able to see the growth and the the evolution and the maturation of the organization in such a short period of time is just absolutely phenomenal.
4: It absolutely is phenomenal. So Jesse, I know Accenture has been working on a lot of private cloud, a lot of hybrid cloud type initiatives. Are you seeing a lot of those same reasons for adopting the the private the hybrid cloud of of getting administrators out of or, or getting them away from having to do nothing but firefighting and into raising it up a level, bringing it up a level to where they can concentrate on <coughs> expanding business value? Um, th- that's kind of a yes and no. It really depends on the business,
5: right? There, there's a lot of companies out there who still want to have that control and keep everything inside, but we are growing into a a new generation of administrators, engineers and the technology is allowing us to be more flexible. The people who do the daily work want what you're trying to accomplish. Um, They want that flexibility. They want to be able to do that. It's just the business drivers. But what the cloud is really able to let us do, which is awesome, is it does put everyone on an equal playing field. As you had mentioned before, we have small customers who can run their their applications as if they were huge companies. It, it puts everyone equal, and um, the data fabric scope that NetApp has really plays into that. So you could have like a small install, yet replicate back to a cloud somewhere for all of your dev, DR, test, whatever, um, or even your production stuff and replicate that somewhere else to be able to move your data wherever you need to move it to. Um, and give the companies that flexibility to have their data, their, their, their core business data wherever they, they need it to is, is empowering for a lot of people.
1: I think, you know, being able to, to see the business expand and go from... I mean, because the things that you're able to do with the cloud in terms of scale, it's just, it's astronomical. Mm-hmm. And being able to shift your mindset from a capital mindset where you're not thinking about depreciation and fixed assets and taxes and things of that nature now i can just i can focus on it from an opex perspective and still leverage the same benefit and get the same the same out of what we're trying to do as a much larger organization yeah. companies with 20 30 40,000 people i can function at the same rate that they're functioning at mm-hmm. there's no way that i would have the ability i can't dump those kind of r&d dollars into my environment it's just not possible but now because of the cloud and the data fabric, we're able to grow at leaps and bounds and transition the company in a way and position the company in a way that we'll be here for the next 40, 50, 60, however many years. I mean, that, that to me is a game changer for us as an organization because now we can function and focus on the things that are core and key to us, the key initiatives, which the number one thing, the number one goal across the organization is operational excellence. But that's in every department, that's in every business unit. We just spun up a company, Mainsfield Power and Gas, and now we're getting into the the power, the the energy, and the the natural gas market. And I can't even tell you how that would have even been possible if we had never started this journey back at CDOT. If we hadn't have moved to CDOT, we wouldn't have been, because we didn't have the ability to do non-disruptive changes within the organization. Mm -hmm. Everything was an outage. Yep. now we have the ability to move things around, move shells around, move storage around wherever we need to. The, it doesn't even matter what it is. It could be SaAS, it could be SATA, but we have the ability to move things around and the business not be impacted by it. I mean that in itself is such a great benefit and being able to continue that on and extend that into a cloud environment, you know where you still have the same technology you, you have the same technology, you have the same team, but now they're just focused differently now they're tied into, okay, well, what's the, what? how can I take, you know, how can I speed up the uh, marketing analysis or how can I speed up the uh, the uh, sales reporting? How can I give the business what they need? So we're building big data warehouses and we're we're, we're, ex- we're extrapolating data out, sending it to the cloud, and then the business is able to take those and put it into a BI reporting, uh, you know, BI, BI reporting tools and, and dashboards. And the thing that I think is really empowering it is just the fact that we don't have to deal with the downtime hurdle. I mean, because now the numbers, when the executives get their reports, it's not a day or two removed from the data. It's maybe an hour removed, which mm-hmm. has dramatically improved our capabilities as an organization. Well,
4: it's funny, right? Because success means that technology is essentially transparent to the business. It's just there and it just works. Right. And that means that you're doing something really, really great. Right. So gentlemen, I'd like to thank you very, very much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, it's been great having a conversation with you. You know, Hercu again, just a tremendous, fantastic success story. Uh, yes. I can't can't thank you enough enough for coming on. Absolutely. And thank Jesse, you. it was great to see you again. Yeah, so, always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. You are always welcome as a guest on the on the podcast. And gentlemen, thank you very much. I may take thank you me. up on that. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was some good
0: stuff from Jesse Anderson. Now, we're going to move on to another NetApp A teamer, Glenn Deckheiser, and we're going to talk a little bit about Lean Cloud with Val Bercovici.
6: Joining us now on the Tech On Tap live stage here for the podcast edition uh, is Glenn Deckheiser, Practical Lead and Office of the CTO at Red 8 IT, and Val Bercovici, our very own Cloud Czar here at NetApp. Uh, Glenn, how are you doing t- today? Well, just as good as last night, so just- great insight.
4: Glenn, I got to say, I really like that shirt that you're wearing. I, we, we're both wearing our. our uh, a-team shirts, and they look pretty fantastic. Yeah, you know, they did a good job this year with these. Yeah,
7: absolutely. You know, they're slimming. Yeah, I, need I need all the help I can get. going to say, I How do they know? <laughs> exactly.
6: And that voice, of course, for the listeners at home is our very own Val. Val, how's the show treating you so far?
7: Oh, it's great. The show's been fantastic. We're only halfway into it. Looking forward to the general session this afternoon and uh, tomorrow as well. And really happy to be back on the podcast. would love to be a veteran of the podcast now.
4: Outstanding. Great, great to have you back. We really enjoyed you having on the show a couple of weeks ago. So gentlemen, I have to say that when I saw the title of this particular session, I was really excited. Yeah, right? me too. Uh, and, and let's be honest, I'm pretty easily excitable. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, so the, the title of this one is why DevOps will move to the Lean Cloud. And, and this is something that's really near and dear to my heart, right? as you As you know, I am involved heavily with containers these days. So, so, Val, I know you did a blog post a couple of weeks ago on the lean cloud. Could you could you give us a definition of the lean cloud?
7: It's really all about money. And in this case, you know, we all know that you can make a ton of money in the cloud, that's why we're all here. But how to be profitable and how to keep most of that money is what the lean cloud is all about. It's yeah. operating efficiently. So this whole notion of the economics of elasticity, it's a wonderful thing when you're in a hyperscale cloud. You're in a dev, test, innovation phase of anything you're working on. As the workload matures and stabilizes, and I would say instead of being stable because that implies a workload that never goes up or down, probably a better term is predictable. Mother's Day, you know, or Christmas shouldn't be surprises are on the calendar. So once you can predict the spikes, peaks and valleys of your workload, anybody, I shouldn't say anybody, most competent organizations, IT organizations, can build infrastructure for predictable workloads. Yeah. So the economics of elasticity diminish pretty rapidly once the workload becomes predictable, and the lean cloud is all about making sure you've got the right workload you know, at the in the right cloud during the right phase of its life cycle and operating efficiently and profitably as your workload matures which is really what this is all about
6: no, I it, love I love the term lean cloud because it ties back in to, to the genesis of all of this you know you know we we'll, 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 we'll engage Glenn here in a minute and get get uh, dive into devops but right. you know if you really pick devops apart and trace it all the way back you can trace it back to lean manufacturing. That's and where this that's stuff, that's stuff came from. Exactly. And right. that's the
7: inspiration for the title.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I love it because it's, the, it's the, just the continuation of the theme, right, of constraint management and, and, and end-to-end IT service pipeline and just optimizing that delivery process. And, and in this event, taking a data-centric view and building a holistic solution that, that takes all of that into account, I never get tired of it.
7: You've just reminded me, we need to co-author a blog on specifically the origins of the name itself, uh, (laughs) because it's a great story, it makes for a great blog.
4: Yeah, I would would love to do that. It's going to happen. I I would read that blog. (laughs) So, So Glenn, we had Garrett Mueller, a technical director at NetApp on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, where we talked about NetApp implementing DevOps continuous integration, continuous deployment internally. And one of the things that came out of that was DevOps is not, there's no one definition. You don't deploy a DevOps. You don't buy a product. So I'd love to hear your definition, how you're seeing customers really adopt and implement DevOps in their organizations. Well,
3: there was a recently coined phrase about maybe 20 minutes ago uh, that we call it DevOps. We're looking at calling it DevOptions because that's how I'm seeing it being at least in the in the regular enterprise space, smaller enterprise space, and and, and uh, you know, I'll say the regular, not the Mongo enterprise space, but I'm seeing uh, DevOps being uh, viewed as a way to provide a multitude of options of where I'm going to run those environments, right? So I can put a Docker up environment up anywhere, right? I, it doesn't matter where. I could have it in my own environment. I could you know put it up in Amazon. I could do it in Azure. Now I can do great, amazing in Azure now, but. Uh, Sometimes I need it in all of the above, in different kinds of workloads, or I want, in, I want it for reliability, or I want different performance workloads. It's just that, you know, if I don't have those options, if I'm stuck with one place, I, I'm 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 stuck. I mean, I, how can I, how am I supposed to get the economics of cloud, of data mobility, if if I don't have those options in my underlying underlying infrastructure? So, uh, what I'm seeing from my customers, and I was saying most of my customers don't come to me saying, "Help me with DevOps." They don't. They're doing it and they're entering into these problem sets without even knowing it. They're kind of stumbling in the dark. Uh, Now, some of the very large enterprises obviously have this very formalized approach to this stuff. But most of these companies are really just starting to to grope around in this area and figure out how they can drive value and essentially increase top line, reduce bottom line by uh, applying this approach. It's it's still very, very new. So they're looking for a partner to help them, to, to guide them through this maze and, you know, I don't see any other technology companies doing it. I just don't Uh, because it's really, they're more about selling things, and it's not about things.
6: Yeah, that's my my problem with the whole DevOps movement. You know, watching it the the past 18 months get popular all of a sudden. You know, Andrew and I, of course, long-term automation guys, you know, when, when, when they finally decided what to call it, you know, and yeah. settled on some some methodologies. You know, it was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, this is what we've essentially been doing this for five years. We just didn't really know what we were doing. Yeah. You know, there's some best practices and lessons learned. But but then it became a thing, right? And all of a yeah. sudden, you know, it's it's everyone trying to figure out how to define DevOps as their product. And I have a real problem with that yeah. because it's not about products not or erotic. technologies. It's yeah. about how you get work done. Yeah, well, I knew.
7: In a philosophical sense, I'm sorry to cut you but in a philosophical sense, the commercialization of something implies its success. It's almost like a trailing indicator Yeah. there's something really there. It's it's a pain we have to go through. Actually, that was
3: my point that I was going to make was that, uh, to your point, it it was being done by developers before it became DevOps. It was just called Shadow IT. Exactly. Right. So they were doing it. They were getting their flexibility. They were moving data around these different places on their own, but... Yeah. But it was outside of it and it wasn't being controlled there was there was absolutely you know absolutely no control over it no cost control for sure and uh, and they weren't doing it the best way they were doing it in the way that they could with what resources they could you know hobble together with a yeah. credit card so that i think business is finally starting to recognize that they need to provide that service to their environment as a, a you know in, in a more formal way is, is where DevOps is really starting to take hold, even in the smaller environments now, and that's when I say that they're groping around, they're getting there by default. Yeah. Right? And so, but you know, I think being a partner that can help them get there uh, in, a, in, a, in a in a in the right way, I call it. So yeah. I, I think I,
4: that brings up a really interesting question in that there is a lot of administrators, there's a lot of organizations that have become sort of tone deaf to DevOps. Because yes. well I don't have a, a, an application that was built from the ground up, our favorite term. Mm. Right. Uh, that was that was built to be in the cloud, right? I haven't re-architected my things, and I think it's important to point out, right? And I'm sure you have, you, you both have many examples of, no, this absolutely applies even to organizations to applications that have been around for decades. Yeah. Well,
3: or you're going to be a new infrastructure guy, you better be getting involved with DevOps because you know, looking at ACI and these new things coming out, infrastructure guys aren't infrastructure guys anymore. They're developers.
6: Absolutely. So yes.
3: where are you? Where are you maintaining that code? How are you testing that code? How you you know, what, what environments are you going to develop those in? in a, in a, in a prototypical way. Uh, so it's all changing and as you know, we're getting more software defined with the data center and the networking, it's you better get into DevOps because it's going to be your whole world. Uh, you know, whether, you, whether you know it's there or not, you're, you're going to be living in it.
6: Yeah, the, the one thing I would add, Glenn, to something that you said a minute ago about, you know, you've been doing it, whether or not you realize it, we just called it Shadow IT. I do think it's there's an important addition to to an organization that truly embraces the whole DevOps me- methodology and it's that concept of Those developers and those business units that that are taking that that line of credit and they're going to the the easiest entry access point they've got, Mm -hmm. whether that is internal through some sort of internal portal or it's a public service that they pay for with a credit card, the easiest way that they can get this thing out there to be able to drive business and close their objectives, that's where they're going to end up. But what DevOps includes is that circle back around where IT is aware of it and works with them to make sure that, you know, yes, go use DreamHost, that's great, but there's certain data we're not going to put there. Security, because sure. we've got security and compliance concerns that we know right. about, we're the big IT shop, this is our life right the part that you mr. business customer you know the part you're focused on let's work together to figure out how to make this matter and that's the part that I don't see enough people embracing is the the part where you really need to integrate it's got to be a hand-holdy group hug focused on the getting the task complete not necessarily just your part of the checklist
3: yeah a lot of organizations don't have the bandwidth though to really do this right and so that's where the partners have to come in and bring in kind of I don't want to say fully baked solutions because like I said DevOps isn't a thing you could buy. Exactly, it's a thing you do. Yeah. So, but partners need to come in and, and, and educate best practices and and deploy them in a partnership with the client. But those partners then have to have the partnerships with the technologies that kind of bring those to bear in the back end, and NetApp's done a great job of helping their partners bring those to their clients. Right. So that that's where it's really worked for us.
4: Yeah, and you know something I learned from you, Val, not long after I began working at NetApp is we spend. Uh, what seems like a, a strange amount of time reminding our IT customers that they're there for the business. Yeah. They're there to uh, yeah. enhance right. what the business is doing, you know, whether that's, you know, if you're selling product, if you're, you know, in healthcare, if you're, you're, you're helping people get better, whatever that happens to be, you're not there for the sake of IT. Exactly. So our, it's very, very important. It's also
7: interesting about that is in the concept of DevOps and really being able to f- complete that full circle, Most IT folks, particularly junior ones that might not, you know, have enough experience, don't realize they have unexpected allies in the organization. Exactly. Your legal team, your risk assessment team, your records management team, wants to help you harness this. They know stuff is going to the cloud. They're mature and wise enough to know they can't stop it. But if they're aware of it, if they know how to audit it, if they know how to track it, and also make sure that protect it as necessary, everybody wins. And, And there's actually more allies in an organization than people realize. Once you socialize what's going
5: on. You Absolutely. know what? To,
6: to that point, Val, uh, last time we had you on the podcast, we plugged your favorite book, uh, The Developer is the New Kingmaker. Yeah, yeah. uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug my favorite book these days, which is The Phoenix Project, a DevOps story, which is precisely that. Uh, if, for the listeners, if you guys haven't checked this out yet and you're you're in IT in 2015, it is a must-read these days because it, it is a, a plain language story of how an organization goes from the old siloed way of working to the modern, you know, continuous integration DevOps way of doing business. Wonderful. That's going on my Kindle queue.
4: Now, didn't you push <laughs> that on a previous podcast?
6: Maybe a, maybe I a do.
4: <laughs> See, I listen. All right, gentlemen. So thank you very much for coming out today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Glenn, for coming on both Tech on Tap Live as well as the podcast. We would be fun. more than happy to have you back anytime you're willing to chat with us. It's been fantastic today, gentlemen. Thanks, guys.
0: Yeah, that was a great interview with Glenn Deckheiser. Glenn's actually with Red 8, one of our partners, and Jesse Anderson is with iVision now, another one of our NetApp partners. All right, let's move on to the Cynthia Stoddard interview with Val Bercovici. This is done talking about the Denver Broncos at NetApp Insight. Here you go.
8: All right, well, joining us today is a very special panel, Glenn. We've got CIO of NetApp, Cynthia Stoddard. Oh, yeah. We've got the Denver Broncos VP of IT, Russ Trainer. Yes, sir. And one of our very good friends, veteran of the podcast, Val Bercovici. Pete. twice in one week. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for coming.
6: Oh, yeah. hey, what are we doing up here? I have no <laughs> idea. Okay, we'll just fake it,
8: yeah. just go. <laughs> we're super excited. This is We're wrapping up a great week of uh, conversations with both customers, partners, and employees, and uh, I just wanted to get the opportunity, Cynthia, to ask you, You know, what have been some of your takeaways this week from this, uh, is, is there any conversation or any sort of uh, theme that you see resonating that you, can, you could share with us?
9: Yeah, I, the week has been absolutely fantastic for me, really, really fantastic. And you know, I always have been a believer in our technology, but I, this week has been great because people are so buzzing about the data fabric oh, yeah. and what our direction is. It's great, it's great to see. And I've had the opportunity to meet with many customers, you know, Broncos included, but many customers and their use cases of how they're using our technologies in different industries are totally amazing. I mean, each one is different, and they're enabling different things. You know, one is enabling them to really be fast and agile, and you know, operate in a commerce world. You know, another one is using us for everything mission critical applications. They don't use any other, any other, and that's enabling them to uh, actually do analytics that they've never been able to do before. Right. Right, but it's all based around data fabric and for me, you know, we've implemented data fabric, so it's a validation of our own architecture going forward saying that I'm not doing something really wacky by, uh, yeah. you know, by implementing a hybrid environment with the data fabric linking it together. So really, really powerful and powerful stories from all the customers.
8: Yeah, I completely agree. That's sort of what, I, that's my takeaway Glenn this week too, has been really the, the, the data fabric and this is not like it's some new product that we're re- releasing called the data fabric, right? This is literally the combination of all the goodness of NetApp and, yeah, and just really combining all of that into just a really holistic solution.
6: Yeah, it's literally every product at NetApp. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a design methodology, not, right. not a point solution. Yeah. Um, but which is why I, I'm so impressed. Like one year later and, and you know, Russ, keep us honest here. What do you think? You know, you got—we're we're a year into this vision. Yeah, I think we've we've shown pretty substantial progress along this path. You know, how does it look from you looking in?
10: Yeah. So, so it's interesting because remember, two or three years ago, everything was going to the cloud. Everything yeah. was going there, and then it didn't go there. Not everything <laughs> went there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now it's about the hybrid cloud and. And NetApp has done a good job, and, and I saw the Altivault product, and and it's a nice enabler, um, an easy way to, to bite into the cloud a little bit, right? And um, and so we're going to look at that, but also it, it's nice the the keynote sessions and, and kind of seeing where NetApp's driving their technology um, and kind of the industry trends, if you will, and trend setting, um, the the private cloud, right? The, the those kind of things, and they're making it attainable, they're making it easier for us to kind of go into that world. Um, so from my perspective, I see it coming, NetApp's doing a good job road mapping that out for us, um, and then working with the other with the other vendors as well, some of the, you know, whether it's VMware or, or Cisco, or, or what have you on the back end. Um, but I, it, it's nice to see that roadmap, from my perspective as a customer, knowing where we're gonna be in a couple of years, um, and maybe even sooner, so.
9: Yeah, and- I think you made some really, really good points because one of the things that I would hate as a CIO is to be locked into one way of doing things sure, and yes. what we have done and what I see is we have choices. So I can make a lot of choices but yet have a standardized architecture and that is really important and it should be important to every CIO.
8: Oh, I completely agree. And, and Altevault is yet another perfect example of having that open, that strategy. I mean. You cloud provider of choice, you know, and you're using that with AltaVault. I mean, yeah, supports awesome. any type of encryption. It's just a really wide open product. And uh, I got an opportunity to actually present with the, the young lady that gave you that demonstration, Rachel Dines. Ah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah oh, she's, she's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah. The, the, the product is amazing, and she's super passionate about it. So definitely one of the highlights of my week. How about
7: you, Val? Well, speaking of choice, you know, just riffing off of what Cynthia just said right now, I'm just contrasting this show with VMworld just a few weeks ago up in San Francisco. I watched the keynotes, really like the keynotes, so, you know, I liked the slickness of the presentations, the functionality introduced. There's a tagline that Pat Gelsinger used that I've stolen liberally, which is, innovate like a startup and deploy like an enterprise. I love since it. stolen yeah. it from you. Yeah, and we've, we've quoted it several times. And on the, the show. data fabric, if nothing else, that is the tagline for the data fabric. Right. But choice, I think, is what's really interesting to me. Because one of the cool things that VM, VMware showed at VMworld, was the ability to do seamless migration from one cloud to another, which sounds on the surface a lot like Data Fabric, perhaps at a higher level at the host level instead of storage level. But it was basically in a completely homogenous VMware-only world. Right. And that left me, you know, as a partner VMworld interested, but as a potential customer, really flat. Because that gives me almost no choice. I've got to pretty much orchestrate and manage almost my entire environment and budget for licensing Oh, yes. my entire environment, you know, yep. in the VMware way. Right. Uh, and so the, the contrast between, you know, what they're offering and what we're offering at a high level is functionally similar, but the choice that we enable and the, the, I think the, the fact that we connect it with reality of there are two companies in Seattle that kind of matter when it comes to cloud. Yeah. We can't exclude <laughs> them from any kind of cloud strategy. That's right. That, that's the big deal for yeah. me is it's it's so real what we're enabling customers to do right now. And it's so much more valuable and it really offers them that freedom that is a necessity for business today. You just wouldn't lock yourself in. That's no, just not an option. No,
9: you shouldn't. If you did, you shouldn't be a CIO. There you go.
7: All right. Awesome. So when he said drag and drop, what instantly came into my mind was an amazing demo we showed yesterday the general oh God, session. Yeah. I actually tweeted. It was a, cool. It's a profound moment in cloud history for a company. To Isn't en- that cool? Yeah. It's so
9: cool. It's so cool.
7: It's amazing. <laughs> to enable a customer of almost any size really, particularly with NPS, to literally drag and drop one proprietary hyperscale, valuable proprietary hyperscale environment to another completely different competing hyperscale environment. That's unprecedented stuff. The fact that we make it look that easy, but you'd expose all the work under the covers with one click as well, that blew me away. And I saw the storyboards for this two years ago, and we were designing this feature and seeing it live still blew me away, so yeah. Yeah, it was quite a compelling demo. It was.
8: So Russ, you've been here all week. You're a NetApp yep. customer, obviously. Yep. Can you share a little bit about your experiences here at, at, uh, at Insight and maybe some of the uh, maybe one of your highlights of the week?
10: Yeah, it's it, it's been busy. Um, it's good. It took, and, I, and I try to get to classes just like everybody else. Um, but it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat for me because I get to catch up with some of the folks that, that I see. Uh, you know, it's I don't they're not in Denver, so I don't see them all the time. But some of my Denver folks are here, so catch up with them. And in Cindy, I haven't met before, so this is, it's a that's good, great. just from a relationship perspective, right? And so NetApp is, they're one of our pillars of infrastructure, if we will. So it's nice to get to know the different folks behind the scenes at NetApp. And, and, and really what they, for me, that's, I like that, um, and not that I'm going to email her and, send her a troubleshooting ticket but it's nice to it's some nice to meet do. her.
9: Actually some customers do. Yeah, <laughs> I think
7: it might yeah, get a positive response. You remember me.
10: Yeah, yeah. That's funny. But it's been it's been great. It um, and I'm learning more and more, like I said earlier, the road mapping and seeing what's on the docket in the future. Um, in the near future, maybe even longer term is is a is a good thing for me because I don't I mean I'm dialed into football, right? So so get me out of the get me out of that world for a little bit and get me in the real world. and and um, and, get, and give me some of that information, so then I can take it back and um, and in, inform my guys, and so we know we know kind of what's coming. So it gives us a little bit of a head start, if you will. So I, I love that part about it.
6: Russ, I got to ask. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm we're standing here having this conversation, and I'm looking down at the table. I, this looks like is is what is this exactly? <laughs> and we've got a tablet here that that looks like it's got uh, your.
7: You know what else, All why of why the we information. Walk him through just a little bit so you can see on the screen what you are walking through. Because, I mean, yeah, I can a try. very quick demo is really yeah, you know, them, valuable, really show engaging. The so, show me. It was we really can do cool. this on a podcast, right? We can switch yeah, seats. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the technology. Oh, yeah, they're not even looking, right?
10: So, <laughs> yeah, no, so this is cool. So we we, we were <laughs> after so digitizing looking. playbooks, <laughs> right? right? Nobody organic. wants to carry around the big binders anymore. So and yeah. we, we just want to give them the efficiencies of of. of Newer technology, right? Digitizing this and, and giving them some time back, like I always say. But um, so this is the, the PlayerLink app. Broncos helped design it. There's three sections to this thing, right? There's notifications, so you can pull up, um, and these are just dummy, dummy docs, if you will. But you can pull up different documents there. And in here, you can see there's some you know, editing there's some tools and annotation test. tools and highlight tools, so it you can kind of scroll through it. Um, and these get updated dynamically on the back end when, say, I, say I need to put out a new um, a lunch menu form, right? Okay. Even on like I can actually send that, drag and drop that over to their folder on the player link server side, which lives on VMware, which lives on NetApp, and then that'll automatically get pushed out to to, to their tablets. Um, and same thing with the playbooks. And then on the video side, it's a it's a it's a great tool. So it's look right in hand. Video. Yeah, video so so and they can scrub they you know they these guys are so right, they want to look at is the footwork right did, did the guy's hips turn correctly when he was guarding you know so, right, they, it's so they,
8: detailed yeah it
10: is and so they get they get into it so you can actually just kind of go back and forth and scrub through it and scrub um,
8: through the actual video as the plays are going back and forth like they do on the tv when they're doing
10: instant is replay. isn't, yep. that, yeah. cool? isn't that's that cool that's fantastic no it's, it's great and you have different it's views really right cool. so you can actually just go through and you can have different you know you just go through the plays kind of thing um but you can have different views close-up views and for, for our purposes they're usually an end zone shot on each side and then there's the side view and so it gives them a nice, um, a nice tool to work with um, and like Val mentioned earlier we're trying to you know we, we try to get this for them on the way home of the game we just played so they can start breaking down film on the plane ride home Wow! Um, so we can beat our next opponent, right? So. Yeah,
6: yeah so, you can, so you can roll into town and, and take on my New England Patriots. That's yeah. right. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll be a fair fight, though. You know, th- this is a great example, though, of, of uh, you know, a lot of people may not necessarily look at that and go, well, the NFL, that's a massive organization, huge franchise, you know, the, the most popular sport in America by far. Yep. Um, but I don't think that, that people are nearly aware uh, of just how technical that game has become. Like oh, yeah. you get little glimpses of it walking on the sidelines. It's but, like a but, science, but you know instances like this, you know, milliseconds count there. You know, it just does. the tiniest little bit of difference. Getting that 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 yeah. tape to the player an hour earlier could be the difference. It really is that competitive, and and I just love how you guys have have continued to innovate, continue to push forward like this. And I, and honestly, I'm just honored that that we get to be a part of it at all.
10: Oh, shoot! No, the honor goes out to me. I mean, I, you know, from a NetApp's been great. The relationship's good. The technology's re- very good on the back end. So, really, I'm, I'm more and, and like we were talking about earlier. So I'm more dialed into what can we do on this thing to make it better. What can we do? So I'm not thinking about right. is that server going to be up? Is yeah. that is that thing going to be up? And you know, I got to have that thing. I don't even. I don't. You don't, don't have to worry about know. that. Yeah, so you free your, that your as mind as to actually see, make yourself right? better than focusing on trying to maintain. Correct. Right? Correct. Making the services better, making the offerings that we can help them um, attain better. You know, give them the right tools. Yeah.
8: But Russ, I do have to ask. You said that the the, the Denver Bronco playbook is on here. Can Not I Can be. I see some of those plays?
10: <laughs> yeah,
6: there's I uh, share one called call, my, my New York test document. Somebody pass you right now. It's It's right. okay. It's okay. Feel, <laughs> <laughs> feel free. <laughs> we we'll all the deflates and everything <laughs> I'll just, else. I'll just, I'll just put I'll this over here. you got to hide it from Glenn because his, yeah. But you know what, though? Russ, you just mentioned something. And honestly, it's been a theme that we've had with everyone that we've talked to this week. And and just to reiterate, right, no, you shouldn't care about whether or not the service is up because that's not what the server being up is not providing any value to that's the organization right. that you're supporting. Correct. What What about. provides value to the organization yeah. is being able to shorten those delivery cycles, to give them access to data faster, more transparently, more uh, seamless ways to communicate amongst the organization. That is what what, what you should be focusing on and what you are clearly are focusing on. Yeah. It's our job to worry about keeping the server on and making sure the infrastructure is going to be there for you and that you're not going to get locked in in the future when you've got to start to make those pivots as technology changes. You know, it's, it's, I, I, I love the fact that, that, you know, we talk about this stuff at a high level. right? But this week, talking to customers, both here in the Tech on Tap live stage as well as out on the show floor and at the party last night, our customers get it, Yep. And, and I don't know if we just lucked out and we cherry-picked the best <laughs> of them, but the no. vast majority of the industry doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you are definitely at the bleeding edge of, of this wave. Uh, that's wildly impressive. Yeah, as long as it's not too bloody just a little
10: bit of blood you yeah. know not not too bloody not violent it exactly know? yeah
8: that
7: great. that's great these are violence bad. on the field not, <laughs> that's
10: right.
8: not in it all right very good well we've stolen too much of your time Cynthia I want to thank you for joining us Val as always a pleasure and Russ I hope you enjoy the rest of your time thanks for joining us on the podcast today yeah it's been
0: great and last but not least Dave Hitz and the Baylor interview from Insight
8: all right day one at NetApp Insight 2015 Andrew how you doing buddy
4: I am fantastic. I just had two back-to-back sessions that I could not have gone better, I don't think.
8: That's fantastic. You did your containers session?
4: It was fantastic. It was standing room only. There was people sitting on the floor. So it went really, really well. And
2: you said it ran long with questions, which is always <laughs> I, a good sign. Yeah, I was uh, yes,
4: I was almost 20 minutes late getting here because uh, because of all the extra questions. So I think that's I, I hope that is a fantastic sign.
8: Well Sally, I gotta tell you, it's not about you today, my friend. Uh, today, we've got two very special guests. Let's
4: be honest, this whole conference is not about me, it's <laughs> not about us.
8: That's right. With that, let me go ahead and introduce our two guests. One, our audience may have heard from, Mr. Dave Hitz, founder of NetApp. Dave, welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast.
2: Here I am. I'm glad to be here.
8: That's awesome. Oh, you got your shoes off. Perfect. I'm going to take my shoes off. <laughs> this is great. All right. We're also joining us is Director of Special Projects at Baylor College of Medicine, Alex Izaguari. Alex, how are you doing, sir?
11: I'm doing great. Excited to be here.
8: So Alex is doing a session this week at NetApp. It's all about a a success story that we have uh, with with Baylor College of Medicine. And the session title is, uh, it's a customer case study, Baylor taking research and discovery to the cloud. So really, really cool conversation that we just caught uh, for the Tech on Tap interview. So two minute version, Alex, tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you had at at Baylor and sort of how how NetApp sort of answered those those challenges for you.
11: At Baylor, we have a a very diverse audience that we have to cater to. Uh, We're dealing with education, research, healthcare, community, and uh, in each of these cases, the needs are very, very different, all the way from security, from the amount of storage, performance, everything. Uh, So what we needed to do is find a way to create something that was not necessarily a one-size-fits-all, but something that could provide the adequate resources for each community. And for us, we kind of, we landed on FlexPod. It worked really well for what we were trying to do. Uh, it gave us the flexibility to, to expand, uh, gave us the right performance level. Uh, we, we're using our environment, uh, we call it the Discovery uh, platform, uh, because it's really there mainly to support our researchers. Uh, but interestingly enough, we actually expanded that, the, the, the use of it to other, even just more operational needs. We converted our SAP environment to, to the discovery platform, and we found that uh, running payroll occurs 50% faster. So it's just
2: makes everybody else Get paid else sooner. <laughs> I like that.
11: You, yeah, use FlexPod. Get paid sooner.
8: <laughs> so what is this discovery cloud concept?
11: So the, the idea of the discovery concept is that researchers really need to be focused on doing their research work, not trying to understand how to manage technology and purchase it and procure it and configure it so we've simplified that uh, we've actually created an automated process where soon where, uh, where we just came out of QA with the, the software they'll be able to actually provision their own systems storage uh, servers uh, we're going to be moving into BDI soon so it's it's very exciting because the researchers aren't focused anymore on the technology they're focused on their research work
4: yeah, Alex, this is really one of my favorite subjects. Right? I, I've been doing automation, I've been doing private cloud for a very long time. And I find myself constantly talking to customers, talking to people, and, and reminding them that IT is not there for the sake of IT. IT is there to enable the business, to That's enable right. our customers, their customers, to do the things that they need to do. And just getting out of the way letting them do the great things that they're doing. So it's uh, completely fantastic, wonderful story. And that's
11: exactly what they want. That's what they want. They really want to feel the autonomy. Uh, and, and on our side, it's not that we don't want to give them that autonomy, but in the past, we've been challenged with, how do we give them their autonomy yet be secure? How do we give them the autonomy yet be cost-effective? How do we give them their autonomy and take advantage of, of uh, you know performance in the right way. How do we give them autonomy and make sure that things are backed up and, and DR and business continuity functions correctly? Well, FlexPod is that answer for us because we're able to let them do what they need to do right. while still having control over the the, the general
2: environment.
8: So, so, Dave, how do you think that NetApp really answers that challenge
2: that, that Alex has over there at Baylor? Well, I view us as building foundation, support for what other people need to do. When when you listen to him talk, I I mean he needs to do compute, he needs to do virtual desktops, there's a whole variety of services that Alex needs to provide but the foundation of it is data and the data is the piece that lasts a long time. I mean you you log into your desktop and then you leave it's like okay that desktop's gone. Yep. You don't care anymore Um, but the data, I, I mean when you look at hospital patients and what's the what's the law now? It's like the life of the patient plus seven years or something, and God knows how long a kid's going to live, right? So <laughs> 120 <laughs> years? Like, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, so it, you, you need to have a lot of confidence in the infrastructure that you're choosing to help you manage that data and get it to where you're going to want it. I, I mean... I, you talked about what if a, what if one of your researchers has got data in Amazon? What if what if they are required by law to share it because some funding agencies do require that? You've got to have the flexibility in the underpinning system to, to let you do whatever you need, and you don't know what that is yet. So you need to choose a vendor you trust to help out. I mean, it. it I guess it's a long-term trust, maybe, even more than any technological thing. I mean, we have all sorts of technology I think is awesomely cool. But when you're a customer saying, who do I work with, really I think it's about someone you think is heading where you're hoping to head and can help you get there.
8: Well, yeah, Dave, you said something earlier when we were doing the video interview that really resonated with me, and you said it was not about NetApp. You know, and both of you sort of shared that same theme, and it's true. It's, It's not about NetApp. It's about the business and the challenges of that business and so in your case at Baylor having to overcome you know the time to actually get IT stood up so your researchers can do the research required to get the grants that you guys need and so that part to me is the most exciting the fact that you have you're excited about the culture you're excited about the the, the team the people at NetApp but you also have a technical solution that's going to meet those needs combining FlexPod as well as the Data fabric.
11: you're, you're spot on because I, I think one of the frustrations that we deal with is researchers are, are moving from different institutions to different institutions and I think NetApp's vision on the data fabric is key to our success moving forward into the future. When we look at a researcher moving from University X to our institution, today it takes anywhere between three and six months for that researcher to get established at Baylor, put up their information, get their lab going, all this stuff that really it shouldn't take that long. But, but the idea, the concept that they might in the future, and very short in the future, be able to say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, I, I now started working at Baylor, and I talked to their IT team, and I thought it was gonna be a big deal, but they said, we have this space in the Amazon Cloud where we're gonna provision your stuff, and your IT team is gonna push it up there, and then we're gonna come from uh, the Baylor side, and you know, using our cluster data on tap, just bring it down back into our environment, and now you're up and running and it's fantastic you just came to Baylor and it's a couple of weeks and you're not even ready to use all your new technology because it's already done man and they're not used to that we're not used to that either but i think it's it's that's the direction we need to go
8: all right. Well, we are very short on time, and I know both of you have places to go. And so I want to sincerely thank both of you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the podcast. And I want to extend an invitation to both of you to come back to the podcast. I would love to do a deep dive with you one time and really understand that whole, that whole conversation that you guys are doing over there at Baylor. Thanks. One question before you leave. I know you have that session this afternoon, which is... Tuesday, right? Or today's Monday. Today's, I'm losing my mind.
4: Today's Tuesday. Today's
8: yep. Tuesday. Are you doing it anymore during the week? On Thursday as well. Okay, so it is on Thursday. And so for you, for, th- for those of you listening that are here at NetApp Insight, you're going to want to make sure that you register for that customer that customer case study, Baylor, taking research and discovery to the cloud. It's one that you will not want to miss. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank, you. Gentlemen.
7: Thank
0: you. All right. Always good
4: stuff from Dave Hitz. I think that's about it, Andrew. What do you think? Yeah, all of those are, uh, you know, they're really good. And it reminded me, you know, br- brings me back to, you know, when we were actually doing those. And yes, it was incredibly hectic at Insight and everywhere else that we were at, but it was also a whole lot of fun. You know, Jesse and I got to sit on stage and talk with uh, with Mansfield Oil, right? And we had a blast doing it, right? And I got a face made for radio, so I apologize in advance for anybody who has seen that video. Uh, but yeah, you know, glad that we were able to get them into the show and, uh, fill in some of that dead space. (laughs) Fill in the dead space. All right. I think that's it.
0: I think that's all we've got today. So that music tells me it is time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or via techontappodcast.com. If you liked the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech On Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank you all for listening. That's it. That's it. That, that's
4: that's all we got. That's all we got. Man, we are really yeah. uh, hurting
0: you know, for content apparently, here.
4: Apparently, Glenn is our Sheldon. Right, he's the one who holds the group together. We all he is. Yeah,
0: and without Glenn, we just fall apart. Yeah, moves the conversation along. I just want to apologize to everyone it'll get better I is it just me that's getting off on this so stop stop being yeah, so dull oh, yeah. and boring i can't <laughs> help it it's my natural uh personality